My boy. What's happening? <laughs> so I feel like we need like a quarterly uh, get your shit together ceremony. You know what I mean? So coming to Jesus so, talk right now. That's right. So you back, man. You back. <laughs> I can't. I'm. I'm. Every time I'm like, I got a. I got a spot to fill. I'm putting you in it. Hell yeah! I just Let's feel go. Like, I feel like we just got to keep this thing rolling like every you know, quarter. Because you know, we always hit some kind of new, yeah. some kind of new spin on something. Well, we all. I always have. I have people on here all the time. We have a good time. We talk some shit, but. Me and you, we get down to brass tacks. So, yes, I mean, there ain't no other way. There's a lot of fluff. There's not a whole lot of substance, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I agree. So it's kind of cool, man. And plus, I'm always on a new wave. Always. All right. Always. What's, well, what's going on to your life now, bro? What man, you got going on? I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make everything that is happening the most optimal that you can. Okay. So, like working with the military trying to set every standard that could be set to improve their life. Everyone. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's relational, if it's like when I sit and talk with them, if it's professional, like what are you going to do after military? Like use this as a leverage for the next thing. Like it, this is your first business partner to fuel the rest of your life goals kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that try to apply that to my kids, to myself, to when we come in here and doing this, like this is fun to me but it's still going towards optimizing somebody else's life. Yeah. So I like coming in here and I like doing it to myself is trying to get, trying to get to the bottom of it. So like being a reductionist, I've been really, really trying to boil it down to the lowest form and then figuring out where it is and poking it. Yeah. So doesn't matter what the scenario is. I want to make it to where it's easily digestible but it's really uncomfortable to stay in there and like face it. Like when I came, when I came for the new year's resolution, I said I was full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> it, and really and truly I was. Yeah. And so since then, lots and lots of development on my end to where I don't have any of those sticking points. I just have new sticking points. So like the stuff that would hold you back, whether it was procrastination or you drank too much coffee that you don't want to drink water or <clears throat> you, you, you train. Sound like, you sound like my inner voice. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you train to get away from things instead of be adult and to be grown enough to confront the things that the gym is not going to solve. So a lot of people go to the gym and they hide because they can train it away. But what happens when you get hurt? Yeah. You what do you do then? You, you lose your fucking hide. mind. You yeah. can't hide anymore. And you have to develop other ways to deal with that stuff. So like doing doing stuff like that to where mm -mm, you can't hide anymore. I can hide from everybody else. I can hide from my wife. I can hide from work. I can hide from I can't hide from me. Yeah. Because you know you know what you know what you are and you know what you should be. And there is a disconnect. So we gotta get back to what that is. Yeah. That's the best. I like it, man. I like it. Why? Well, I have a question. So, like, you're working with all these, these. I gotta say it. You, these kids in the military because they're young, they're right? Young. I'm not saying that kids like in you know like no disrespect, but they're just no. young. So, like, from that standpoint now versus what it would have been ten years ago, I feel like those people may come in a little. Man, I don't want to fuck it. I'm you're gonna be honest. Some be they're gonna come in a little more soft. Yes. Then, then they would have 10 years ago or 10 years prior. Sure. So, like, how do you – you're such a on-the-head individual. Mm -hmm. How do you, like, dumb that down for them or say, like, look – I don't. Okay. So, you, I mean, but 
I feel like there's I feel like there's some apprehension there, like there the is. way someone takes it. You know what I mean? They get in their feelings for a minute. And I'm yeah. Adjusting this thing because no, you're good, man. Do what you got to do. You my T Rex arms. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't sugarcoat it at all. Yeah. And that it and, comes and across. We'll answer this then, like, but is that true? Like, do, you, do these people come in this? Do they come in these programs and just like, especially depending on what division they're in, do they come? These aren't like top tier Marines coming in here. So they come in and just think, okay, this is just regular. We're going to do like regular physical stuff here. It's not going to be that bad. I'll give you, I'll give you the, like the psychology. I'm always studying right. people constant. I'm always looking at why did you do what you did? Why did you say what you said? Why are you here? What are we doing? That whole reductionist. I'm going to smash it down until mm-hmm. I can figure it out. Cause I don't think I'm that smart. I just figure out the common sense kind of way. I'm not really that smart, but they will tell, they will tell them themselves and they don't know that they're telling themselves because you just ask open-ended questions and then they kind of go, oh, yeah, well, that's what it is. So a lot of those kids, they're trying to escape a bad scenario where they're in podunk nowhere. So when they're joining the military is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, there's, there are kids that they're trying to figure out how can they make it mm-hmm. better than what the place that they came from. And they will take any route to get out of there. Unfortunately there is a large percentage that are the just enough. So where you meet the standard, but you don't exceed because they don't see that it's valuable to exceed the standard because what reward are you going to get out of it? Still going to get the same pay, still going to get, still going to live in the same place. So they have this ceiling mentality of like the rank structure. That's just kind of how it goes until you, to you, get good enough at your job and score on the test and certain time and grade. Then you move up as supervisory type position where the way that you and I think in military is like GI Joe, you know, well, I mean, that's, that's, I just know that's not the case, no, right? Uh, that, that's a very, very minute percentage yes. of the military. And that, that's I think most people have that thought too. Yeah. And they re- need to realize, and that's why I brought it up. Cause I, I think about it, right. You know, they need to realize that these are just regular these are just regular sure. kids coming out of high school going into a career. Just regular, man. And then there's some kids that they view it as like an educational opportunity. Right. And a that, lot of them do that, yeah. And that there's a great benefit from being – man, they have so many benefits. Granted, there's some drawbacks, serious drawbacks. You're away from your family. You can get sent to the sandbox quick. Mm-hmm. And that you kind of don't know anybody, and you may not be in a career field that you love, so they can get jaded real quick. So you, you have the, the ones that are trying to escape home. You have the ones that are trying to get their school paid for. Then you have the ones that you would think is like gangbusters, like I'm getting after right. this thing. And those are going to be that anyways. So you're going to get those kids that they're saying, no, I want to serve my country. I want to go do this. I want to I get in the pipeline. So they'll get in the Air Force because some of the other branches, maybe they didn't have the job that they're looking for or whatever. And that they get in the Air Force, and then once they figure out, once they get to a certain stage and they get they get all their schooling and whatnot, <clears throat> or their training, I should say, then they some of them go into the pipeline. So you special operator, you know, you get um, a special tactics officer, or if you're going combat rescue or any of those any of those types, where they are the elite of the elite, but they're going to be that anyways. Right now, the officers a little different. So you get your docs, like your PAs. Usually there's a lot of PAs. You get about six, seven docs on base because we have a clinic. We don't have a hospital. Um, but the PAs, that's probably getting your school paid for. 
because they're on the ROTC program or like they applied for some kind of special thing and that they're going to climb the ranks because they get paid really well. They move every two, three years. And then at a certain point, they're just like, ah, I think I've had enough of this. Yeah. And that their main motivation is number one is do I stay alive and I've progressed out of Podunk, Illinois? Or number two, can I get this school paid for $150,000, dollars degree while we're in here or the GI Bill, whatever, 9-11 or whatever they call it? And then the, the, the door kickers, they're going to do what they're supposed to do anyways. doesn't matter. They enjoy it. And then you get the, the officer route where some of them want to go into corporate leadership. Some of them want to get their schooling paid for, but every last one of them, the last thing on their head is physical preparedness. Mm -hmm. The only ones that think about physical preparedness are the door kicker type. And that I really think that it's, it's cool interacting with them because what I thought when I was like, when I met my wife and she said she's military, I was going, man, she's a badass. Yeah. Yeah. And she trained. I mean, she, she ran, did all the stuff. I said, Oh, cool. So everybody is like this. No, they're not. No, they're not. That is the exception to the rule. And nothing against that. No. I, I didn't want to, I'm not, you know, I'm not putting those, I'm just want to, like, I'm trying to, you know, formulate a, you know, thousand foot view here. Yeah, dude. Right. So this is, this is what, this is what is, this is what I have to combat on a day-to-day basis. So I have to level with them and say, look, I know you may only be here for this, 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 and this, but I need you to understand this. There's a term called readiness and resilience that gets drilled into their face every day from the drill from from when they go to basic training all the way through their career but nobody really internalizes what that is is to be ready or resilient so i stop them cold and this is top leadership all the way down to excuse me all the way down to baby airmen and that you stop them and say okay what does readiness mean to you and people like well you got to be able to respond respond how <clears throat> and so I tell them, I said, look, me being ready is you could tell me right now that I have a PT test in six minutes. And I say, all right, what shoes? Let me get some shorts. Yeah. <laughs> that is ready. Or like if a plane crashed outside, do you think they're looking at me to drag bodies? Or are they looking at you? So if you can't sprint, get over a fence, drag a body, get them over the fence, drag them to safety, run and make an intelligent decision phone call, whatever you got to do, triage, whatever, you are not ready. If you're not ready, we got work to do. It's not a guilt trip. It's just, look, this is more than a PT standard. This is, you need to save life. And then the resilient part to me is both mental and physical. Strong things don't break easy. So if you're strong, probably not going to get hurt. If you're mentally strong and you're used to doing hard things every day, like training, then when something bad comes on in life, you go, shit okay now what i'm gonna do Mm. it's not like i'm gonna hide under the covers and that i don't know what to do i'm used to training i'm used to being in the suck it doesn't matter you're gonna figure it out so getting them to understand the basis of even the words that they use and say you need to be intentional with your words and then apply them like you mean it well there's so many instances where you hear things like people going to the academy like so they're going to police academy or they're going to the fire department or whatever or the military and they're like 
PT, man, it's going to be so rough, blah, blah, blah. But like, that shouldn't be the hardest thing you do. No. That should be the easiest thing you do if you're wanting to fulfill that, or fill that position because that, that is a daily requirement for that position. Yes. But what happens is it's just over time, there's just less and less individuals that are in peak performance shape. And so it becomes then something that's a hurdle before you even start the process. Like there's, I guarantee you someone listening or watching there's, or, or just, they know someone if it's not them who has been in the situation where they're like, man, I really want to do that, but I don't think I'm going to be in good enough shape to do it. Sure. And that's a problem. Sure. And that should be your number one priority. But the way societies and the way things have happened over the years is just the, how soft we are now as individuals, like. Even though I feel like I'm in good shape, I still call myself self soft every day because I was just having this conversation last night with my wife. We're so much softer than our, our ancestors a year, hundred years before us. 100%. <laughs> Even though we may be, you and I may be in you know good shape and can you know, roll rounds and you know you know spar and, mm-hmm. and and lift weights all day, like we're still bitch made compared to our ancestors hundred years ago. Hundred percent. So, so it's like it's, it's stuff has just gotten <clears throat> softened down over the years, and it's just one of those things where it's like. That should be the last thing you worried about. You should be worried about the, you know, the technicality is, of it and what your position is and what you should, like, immediately, what's your response position, you know, what you should be doing, not, oh, shit, I got to do 100 push-ups and yep. run, you know, a mile. I don't know if I can do that. And that's why I had the hardest time educating at first because I come from a stance of, what do you mean? Yeah, right. So, so it, how do you it, level those individuals? Because you have a different mindset, right? So you tell them. You want some? You gonna drink? You might be drinking yeah, long, oh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I just you're got good, the bro. Story. Cheers. Yeah. Um. So <clears throat> the the way that I was thinking of it is, I had to take a step back because I was deflecting what is in me. Gotcha. Like, or excuse me, I was I was projecting what was in me. Gotcha. And expecting them to be that. Mm-hmm. That ain't going to happen. Right. The, some people are just not built like that. So <clears throat> I had to I had to level with them and saying, okay, what level of preparedness are you willing to go to? And then do you know the outcomes of those levels? If you are at the standard, just the standard, I'm promising you in 20 years, if you stay doing that, you're going to be injured. If you're just above the standard, you're going to probably stave off some injury and like you probably live a decent life, but you have some issues. If you become excellent at being prepared to do that task, whether it's a wrench turner on that airplane or if it's a firefighter dragging hoses or if it's uh, security forces that are running down suspects, whatever that is, if you become the example of response time or like the readiness thing, you're probably not going to be hurt and you're probably going to have a better time doing this thing because you're going to fall back to the level of training that you have. So fatigue makes cowards out of everyone. So if, if you, if you have such a surplus of ability, when shit hits the fan, you go bet I'm still 99% better than anyone in the world at doing this. I'm still going to make good decisions. Lives are still saved. If you're down here, you're going to migrate to just barely enough. If you're at the standard, you will be below the standard, and then lives are lost. Yeah. So I try to level with them on that end. Of I care about them as people, not as military members, not as firemen, security, or uh, police, just people. Well, that And that's another – there's a fine line too, right? Because there's – so 
a lot of people in these positions that becomes their identity. True. And sometimes to their own detriment. You know what I mean? Because you have to be, we're not saying if you're in any of these positions, you have to be a, a top tier athlete. No, just, you know, go above and beyond for whatever that task is that you have agreed to, you know, mm-hmm. to perform. Right. And so it's not so much an attack on, Oh, if you're not in amazing shape, you can't do this, but it's more of, are you the best you could be at this task that you have agreed to do Yeah, at the, at the highest potential? And if you're not, there's things you need to work on. And 80% of those, well, no, probably 50% of those will be physical and the other 50 will be mental. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know the statistics, but I'm just thinking, you know, so like, so it's, it's fortitude on both sides, right? Yeah. So, and it depends on the job that you have. Yeah. Right. So, because there's some that, that requires minimal physical labor, yeah. but mental capacity. It, uh, intense, like the mental intensity is far surpasses the, so the, the physical. It has been, it's been proven over and over and over again. The more physically fit that you are, the more mental capacity you have. Yeah. And so <clears throat> if you elevate your physical capacity, then your mental cognition is going to be far greater. So it doesn't matter if you're in finance. You're like, well, I'm going to have a desk job. Why do I need to train? Well, if your back is hurt and your knees are hurt and you're 50 pounds overweight and you have sleep apnea, it, like you're not, you're not going to have great attendance at work, number one. So there's work days lost, which is millions and millions of dollars, and I work on that. Every year in the Air Force, I think we saved them last year almost $4 million. Okay, how does that work? Let's talk about that. What's that? Like the work day's lost. Like what, what does so that look like? It's all preventative, preventative, it's preventative symptoms that you have to t- call off work. Gotcha. So <clears throat> if you smoke, if you don't sleep, if you have bad knees, if your back hurts, if you're sick all the time, you have to take sick days off because you got to go to the doctor for said things. You, if you're not at work, that means there's man days lost. What in the military? Like, what do they accept as a like time off? Like, get, like, what is the like the the lowest tier of that? Like, it can't be migraines, right? I mean, what is it? It could be, but then it's it's all goes off of like medical visits. Okay, so it's based on diagnosis and mm-hmm. what you or what you're prescribed and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so it's 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 tens of millions of dollars. Right, I can only imagine. Because I did the math and I, I reached out to all the finance <laughs> people and all the really smart people in the room. And it's, it is tens, hundreds of millions of dollars across the whole enterprise that are at stake if you don't optimize your workforce. Because this is just a corporate structure. It's a right. business. It's a business. It's just a business in, in different in aspects. Defense. Yeah, in defense. Yeah. So if you don't manage your assets correctly – because there's preventable stuff that, so let's say you have five people that are working on a project and that two of the people are, you know, pretty morbidly obese and they, they smoke all the time and that they are out for three weeks out of the year, cumulative because they have bronchitis symptoms. Now you have part of a team that is overworked and overstressed and burnt out because they're picking slack of those other people for three weeks. Now imagine if that's a wrench turner job, that's way harder. Because now you're, you're messing with jet engines and all the other stuff, pulling hose or whatever job is. But if it's a five-man team and you're functioning with two or three, you can imagine how your job satisfaction is going to go. And so you're going to lose talent by that too. 
So it, it all goes into that. I look at the police force. I talk to, um, I don't know if he's the lieutenant or whatever, but he's on my son's. He helps coach um, my son's wrestling team. Gotcha. <clears throat> and I told him the same stuff that I do. I said, why, don't, why doesn't the sheriff department have this? And that I guarantee you there's people that they take off a bunch of work because they're not physically conditioned and that they're, they're sick because they don't have the right lifestyle. And that if they were to sleep and they were to eat and they were to train, I promise you, you would have a, a better, a better workforce and you'd have better candidates. You were like essentially the like accountability sergeant. Correct. That's what you are. Correct. And so it's just truth. Yeah. But so many, so many, especially in these positions and these types of industries, so many people need that. But there's, you're right. There's not a there's not a position for that, so, right? No, but there should be. Yeah. So there at every police department, every fire department, yeah, every military base. Now military bases usually have one of me, um, but it needs to be Multiple. pervasive. So yeah. if you are a life saving entity, if you're EMS, if you're fire, if you're police, you should have someone that is versed in human performance. And there should be the ability to make sure that your people are cared for. Well, your your job, your number one job is response. Mm-hmm. Like that is it. Like That's if it. you're if you're a fire department, if you're police, if you're military, if you're EMS, it's response. See? And uh, are you and, and, are you ready? and sometimes defend depending on the position, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, are you able to like? So many people know these people like who've been in these these positions for X amount of years and they worked their way up to whatever position it may be. Sure. And so they're they've gained fifty pounds. Yeah, I remember when I used to do that, you know, blah blah when I was your age. Um, you should still be able to do that, or yes. at least a, you know, some portion of that because as the pecking order goes, at some point you may be called. And if you are, are you prepared? But that's something that we're lacking in Unfortunately, it's just it's systematic, right? It's it's from a, a society that I mean, it's everywhere. It's not just those positions, but no one wants to talk about it because no one wants to body shame anyone. You I know, don't or make, I don't give a fuck either because I've been a fat kid before. Me, hey, You've been a fat kid before. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and look, it's not even shaming. It's just not hiding. No, it's right. Like, so it's, you just say it plainly. Yeah, it's not, not I'm not rude. I'm not saying you're an ugly piece of shit. I'm saying you do not perform up to these standards sure. and I need you to be at these standards so that you could do your position. Yeah. Like at least meet that criteria and if excel that criteria, great. But if you can at least meet that, then okay, we're, we're where we need to be. If sure. not, we're literally having an uphill battle because you're wasting my time. You're wasting our resources. You're wasting the tax dollar, well, you know, like you're wasting all these things. I would feel so terrible if somebody was depending on somebody to save them. And that they were not in the physical condition to do it because either they were really big person or really skinny, small person, yeah. and they could not lift or pull somebody out of some kind of mm-hmm. you know car accident or whatever. And I have to say this because I, I know people are going to have some apprehension. That's okay. If they're in the position to where they're supposed to be doing that and they don't meet those standards, that's where we're talking about it. We're not talking about a regular person saying, oh, a car just flipped right here. You're a normal cit- average citizen. We, Oh, you should have been stronger so you could pull them out. No, we're yes. talking about the people who signed up for this position and agreed to do these tasks. If uh, Somewhere uh, after PT, I mean, after uh, basic training and everything, and you know, maybe your first two or three years of PT, whatever, mm-hmm. after that... Now you're not in the same, you know, physical state as you were. Sure. And so why is that? 
that's the the whole thing of human performance that I think is very underutilized right now. I think it's starting to catch some traction because it works. If you have the right team in place, it works. So like the stuff that the special operations community uses and they have embedded people that live there all every day, all day, it works. There's a reason why it works because you have people that are that provide you resources to make you be able to do the job you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So if NASCAR has strength coaches, how do we not have strength coaches in the police <laughs> yeah. department? Yeah. How do we yeah, not have dedicated entertainment sport? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And not hating on NASCAR. Look, no, the, the no. pit crew that you got to be extra boom, boom, boom. Got to go. Oh, they don't play. Got, got G forces in yeah. the car. Like I get it. Yeah. But there's, our emphasis on care is not in the appropriate way. So if you have the most important people in society, the, the most important people in society are people that are in the armed forces, the department of defense, your police officers, your, your, um, EMTs. And then you have, um, Oh, what would be the other one? Any of your first responders, any of the first responders, they're the most important people. Yeah. Matter of fact, I put teachers in that same category. Yeah. And that not that teachers need to be yoked up, but you, you know what I'm saying? Their mental fortitude should be high. Yeah. So like there's, there's these things called cognitive, cognitive performance specialists that they bridge the gap between strength conditioning and mental performance. So there's starting to become a wave of almost like sports psychologists mixed with strength coaches that, you're performing exhaustive task and then you have to do like a puzzle or a game or a light board or whatever. So that way you function well under stress. Ah, okay. So there, there's, there should be more of a push like that. Now funding is what it is. And that it's always, there's three things that drive the whole world is money, manpower, time. Yeah. And that money, manpower, time, if they can't justify it, they ain't given it. Yeah. So if we can establish data points that say, well, when we have proficient professionals in place, here is the return on investment. So they didn't listen. Nobody listened to what I said until I put numbers to it. So when they brought you in, essentially, what is, what's happened since when you got there versus oh. what you – Yeah, tell me. Yeah, buddy. So we, <laughs> we – hey, my, my whole goal when I got there and anything that I ever do – I wanted to make Barstale the shiniest well, thing in the whole Answer sandbox. me this first because we haven't talked about it. So how did you even land in this position? Because you were doing – when I met you, you were just – you were doing personal training. Yeah. And um, you have an extensive athletic, you know, background to where you know your shit. You set world records in certain categories. Sure. World champion in jiu-jitsu. You've done multiple things. You have plenty of accolades. So you're well qualified. But, like, how did this land in your lap, per se? So call it universe. Call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you call it. Some people swear it's God or great spirit. I don't care. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. Whatever it is that is guiding what I'm supposed to do is definitely put me in the right places. So I was my second go round for um, going to the FBI. I didn't even know about this. You didn't even know. No, I didn't know. Yeah, man. So so you were trying. You were trying to get in the FBI. Yeah. Okay. I was. I was at the last part. Okay. And that um, I've been training because I, my wife was set to retire in two, three years. And I was thinking, well, I can't retire from training. You can't. You cannot unless you have some kind of system that you've created that it's automated. You don't retire. Mm-hmm. What's that guy? Jim. It's, it's Jim something. He has a he has a gym franchise. Long hair dude. Oh, I can't remember his name. It's Jim something. Jim. 
What's his gym? What's the name of his gym? It's a What's fran- Jim's it's a fr- gym? It's a franchise. <laughs> when I when I think of it, it's going to yeah. pop in we'll, my we'll head. Probably think of it later. But he was talking with uh, Mark Bell from okay. pop, like uh, he was on his his podcast yeah. before. I think he's trained with him. But um, you don't retire from training. You you can make a lot of change and difference in people's lives. You I mean I've seen people's kids graduate from high school, like the whole from little kids all the way to high school. You have great impact on people's lives, and you can make a lot of money if you're good. But you cannot walk away. So you paint yourself a really nice prison. So you you have all the impact, sense, yeah. all the money that you could ever want. That's the most money I've ever seen in my life. But I was utterly miserable because I could never step away. No. How are you going to step away? Because you're, you're, you're their you. accountability. Like you're there, you're there. And, and then you feel so, sort of responsible. And if you're and if, yeah, and if you're not there, then it's it's uh you know a hit to them and you. So you built relationship for a decade yeah. with some of these people. I've some of these people I trained with for ten years straight. Yeah, and you have like you remember the family that mm-hmm. they used to they, they joked and said that I was a grocery bill. Yeah, and that it was a non negotiable. It's in the budget. Yeah, so great impact on people's lives. And man, I met some awesome people doing this. Taught me a lot about life, a lot about finance, business, everything. Um, but there was no way that I could step away. So no amount of money is worth, like, at 60 years old, I'm not training nobody. But you see those. I, th- you that's see so those. sad to I me. Know. I know. It's sad to me, too. But you see it. And that, you, they, see they it. You, the you see these people who have lost their um, physical, like, fitness and everything because they're so dedicated to the client that yeah. they don't even look the part anymore. Cause they're not, they're not giving they're, their self the time. They're burnt do. out, man. Yeah. And that it's a young man's game. Yeah. Just like it is. me. That's why I'm not a strength coach. Yeah. It's a young man's game. And so I've started and I thank God that I take steps back and try to figure out like, what am I good at? Because when I got to Louisiana, I didn't know, I didn't know anybody didn't know anything. I was like, Whoa, you know, I'm going to try. That training the whole day. I know about training. That's I can do that any day of the week. Mm-hmm. But I wanted something I could retire from, and that was going to make a big impact. So where I said, "All right, what am I good at?" And I was, it all boiled down to I'm great at helping people. It just that's that is a gift of mine, and I don't. It it is what it is. Every time I try to make money doing anything else, it never worked. This is never. It has failed miserably every time. When I help people, it works every time. That I I've never been in something where I'm helping somebody that it didn't that didn't do good. Yeah. So I thought, well, law enforcement. I I kind of boiled down to it. I was like, man, I really could be law enforcement. I'm like, but they don't make they don't make no money enough man. income. No money. Yeah. And then you're getting the worst people that are that hate you, and you're just trying to help everybody. It's just unfortunate. And I I used to not want to be a cop because I'd had to tell my relatives. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, yeah. Like as a kid, like I always thought being a cop be cool, but yeah. then I went, no, but I'm going to have to arrest my dad and my uncles. Yeah. I can't do that. So I just pushed it out the way, but it came back and said, okay, law enforcement. But if I'm going to do law enforcement, I want to go all the way. So I looked at all the alphabet boys where CIA, ATF, right. FBI, right. all the big ones, because the path to success is pretty good and you can retire mm-hmm. a good retirement. So I've said, you know what? Screw it. What's the worst I'm going to try? And then tried. Sure enough, it, I'd get the email. You you push through. I'd go to the interview. We'd like to invite you back. I went to the testing. Hey, we we want to just kept going. So I'm thinking, well, maybe this is the path that I'm supposed to do. And then 
for some reason, I got to the end and didn't make it. And that it is what it is. They it definitely don't, wasn't they don't, the they physical don't tell you. Side. No, it wasn't physical side. <laughs> and I, I had a perfect fifty yeah, in all of I their bet. stuff. A bit. And that that was that was in my head is if you score perfect, you get on the wall at right. Quantico, your right. picture. Yeah. So I, mean, I smashed that. Yeah, right. It's, but the second you can't you can't apply for another year, full calendar year. So like I was dejected, just coming. I'm like, man, they don't tell you why that you didn't make it. You just didn't make it. And then. I was, I don't know, three, four days away from reapplication. And you go to the head of the line because you, you've already done the you've already BS. Done, yeah. And then the my wife had heard, it was like, hey, there's a health promotion thing open on base. You should apply. And I'm thinking, man, I applied for that way back in like 2007 in Charleston. I was thinking, that's pretty cool. I said, well, where do I apply? She said, well, send me your resume, you know, do this. And they, they had sent it back to me and that I it was my junk mail. Didn't even know. She goes, did you apply? Like they're trying to, they're trying to get a hold of you. And I, she, are you going to miss, did you miss the deadline? So I said, well, here, give me the lady's number. And I called her and went in there and interviewed. I didn't know what a health promotion coordinator, but I have no idea to me. It's just, just another title. So went in there, had a great interview, you know, lots of experience that you, I didn't know exactly about military culture. I don't know about that, but, um, I know about people. Yeah. And that when I got in there, I just, I got in there and I didn't want to like completely kick doors in, but I, when I got in there, I was, don't bullshit. I was yeah, floored. You, did. you wanted to kick some doors was, in. <laughs> I was floored because there was so much opportunity for growth. I don't think people could hear me clearly enough because they're like, ah, this person's new. They don't know yeah. what's going on. And that I just started making big chunks of change where there's just new expectations. There's like the the sleep hygiene program. It's pretty decent. How's that the, work? The the program. Let's just break them down because I know we're gonna get into them. So sleep hygiene stuff is I figured it out. Like I didn't place any emphasis on fatigue management because why? If you have a race car, drive it fast. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and that, you work hard and you just do it. You sleep because at nighttime because you're just tired and you go to sleep. Yeah. I don't think anything about fatigue management. Yeah, but when you learn the science, and I had the really great fortune of sharing an office with an aerospace physiologist who was an instructor. Oh, that's interesting. And yeah, watched her go through her spiel, and I went, "Man, I know this." Let me watch, listen to the justification. Then I started doing lots of research. And like Matt Walker and I'm listening to Rhonda Patrick and I read some of the books and you just keep going down the rabbit hole. And then I started being the one that was teaching because I knew more than she did. Mm -hmm. So when I realized that the, the sleep was the key to everything, that's when I got better. Like all the numbers. Based on fatigue and performance. Mm -hmm. Because so, brain well, health. What's your... I've, we've talked about this and I don't like to beat it in the, in, in the head because I've talked about it multiple times, but every single time we have an episode, someone news listening. So I have to, Sure. but like I've been managing fatigue recovery yeah. and all that for like two years now. And I'm at the pinnacle of my physical performance. Like mm -hmm. I just am, I just, I, you know, way before any time I was fighting, cutting weight, you know, training, doing all these things. Like I can just compete now on a physical, you know, platform better than I ever could because I've been managing these things. I've been watching them, but like, what is your ideal scenario? Like, based on strain, what's your sleep scenario? Like, what is your, what do you think? I about? get the same amount of sleep no matter if I train my face off or if I Okay, don't. and what is that? So, mine usually, how many hours? Eh, seven. 
Okay. So, so for me, it's six or seven. Mm-hmm. Some it, people, so everyone's different though. You have your own thumbprint. Yes. And so that's what I teach is you can fix it in three days. You can reset your circadian clock in three days, but that requires you to not be a punk about it and do the steps that I'm asking. And that when you do it, it works. You can switch it anytime you want. Let's say that you went to work at midnights. It's going to suck for the first couple of days, but after that, you've already set your clock. You're done. And that you roll with that clock until you switch back over. So it's once I learned that sleep is the key to all, then everything else got easy. How do you monitor your, your physical strain? Because I've been using this whoop strap for a couple of years now. I mm-hmm. guess we're on like year two and I love it. But like, how do you monitor yours? Like, so how do you know? Pain. It, yeah, but that's, that's different for everyone, right? Because Oh, just so, for me. Right, for you. Like, but how do you teach others to monitor that? If you're okay, so classic overtraining, which I hate. Okay, so let's take let me let me put this in in context. So let's take someone who has a moderate physical condition Mm -hmm. um, or conditioning to where they work out every now and then. They do a little over the bare minimum, um, but then they get into this program where they want to up their game a little bit. Sure. So how do they monitor that stuff? You monitor it by your performance. Okay. So I don't even believe in overtraining. I don't believe in it. <laughs> Me either. And that you just train another muscle in, if that one's hurting. That's, yeah. how, that's how I think about it. I think that no one, I shouldn't say no one, very few have ever been to that place of overtraining. And that usually it's just under recovery, whether yeah. it's food or it's sleep. Or just sitting on a couch. You can do couch planks for the day. That's what you do. And that... You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So there is very few people are going to touch that button. Yeah. I mean, the elite of the elite, that's why you're wearing wearables and you're, you're trying to like dial it in and making sure that you get your carbs at a certain time, making sure that you got naps scheduled. Like it's a whole process. Average person, you should know by the performance. So let's say week one, you were able to do five sets of 10 with 75 pounds. Week two, five sets of 10 with 80 pounds. Week three, five sets of 10 with 60 pounds. Something's wrong. You are not recovered. So there is an easy way to tell if you're just weak. Change the workout. (laughs) Yeah. So I have adjusted my training so many times is ridiculous. Because just because on the paper doesn't mean it's getting done. Not anymore. Because I may not be recovered enough to get the stimulus that I'm asking for. So if there's a certain output that you're looking for, you need to be able to hit that mark. If you can't, either you need to change the stimulus or you need to get some more rest. So, like, let's say that you have a Tendo unit. Do you know what those are? Yeah. Like a bar velocity? Yeah. If your bar velocity falls below X amount, the set's done. And that I don't care if you if it's on set two of ten. Yeah, if the I don't velocity care if it, is, you don't feel good about it or not. Yeah, and that you just that's not. another blocker, right? Is so many people are like, well, I didn't get that this week. It's horrible. No, you can move on to another movement. Man, I lighten it up and then just do it. Just you still you still can get the you still can get training in. Yeah, like I mean, I was doing a workout yesterday, and I was just telling you before, like we were doing five by fives, like eighty percent of your max, whatever. And I'm um, trying to build up the actual, you know, PR. Mm-hmm. And I was only pulling, I think I got up to 365 on deadlifts. Mm-hmm. And, but that's all my body wanted that day. 
So it just is what it is. That is where maturity meets performance. It's, yeah, ego gets in the way of that shit. So really early on, unless you're being paid for it, yeah. what are we doing? Exactly. So and it took me twenty years. Yeah, it took me twenty years to realize if I'm not being paid for it, what are we doing? Yeah. And that the training plan is the training plan. If the training plan goes off track, so what? Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? Like, let's but say I, I don't program. I don't want anyone to confuse your mentality with if you're not getting paid for it, it's not your job. No. You know what I mean? I don't want to. I'm you know, saying, like, you're not a world class I'm not, athlete. Yeah, I'm not trying to hurt myself to prove a point to anyone because I'm not getting any reward for that. So, but at the same time, you need to push yourself. Yeah. So look at it like this. If you if your program is accurate and it's it's decent, you're going to hit your numbers. If your program sucks, you ain't going to hit your numbers. Yeah. Because your food is out of whack. Your sleep is out of whack. Your reps are too high. The weight is too high. It, it, you just got to adjust the program or adjust the, just the recovery because maybe 375 is what you were supposed to have. And if it wasn't what you were supposed to have, you probably won't recover because something else wasn't good. It should have been about 415. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then are the, are the variables the same? Yeah. Did you have the same amount of caffeine? Did you have the same warm-up? Did you yeah. have the same sleep? Did you have – you know I mean, it – it's yeah. all of that. Yeah. And that way, you and know what? Hormones. There's a there's a thing there's a, <laughs> and there's a thing called auto regulation. Like <clears throat> you will know when you feel like trash and you will know when you can push. Like Monday, I was freaking monster. This Monday, this this just 2 days ago, monster. And I don't know where that came from, but I I I was here for it. And you push when it's there. Today, I feel like trash. The absolute trash. <laughs> you get through it and you hit numbers, but it doesn't have to be max numbers. Yeah. The reps are the reps. The weight, the weight is negotiable. That way, all you're trying to do is keep training. So if you're constantly in the basement, you're probably not gonna do well for long. I just I just had a conversation before I came here. It's funny you said that. Because there was a guy, he was like, oh, I train six days a week, you know, and I feel like death, and I'm always hurt. And I'm the, so, so stop. Yeah, for training so much. So he goes, yeah, but I use it for, and I said, that's why, what? time out. Because you are where I was about five years ago. Before all the big, big injuries started coming, I used to use training as therapy. Yeah, but instead like of, you said, you can't hide behind it when you're hurt. And so now, stop using it as a pacifier. Because that's all it is, is an exercise pacifier. You didn't solve nothing. Well, that well, angst, where's the, here's my question, and I agree, but it, where's the resolve? No, it's good to push. Right, but, but where's the resolve if you don't use that? Like, my question is this. Like, I agree, I'm the same way, and I didn't realize that I, because I spent 10 years just, I mean, you've known me a long time, so I spent 10 years. Every now and then I would spin up a fight camp and fight, but I was kind of out of the game for, you know, eight years. But I always worked out. But I was in the AC at the Anytime Fitness, mm-hmm. doing the same fucking muscle, one muscle group this day, one muscle group the next day, working mm-hmm. out in the mirror with my headphones on, with absolutely no struggle. Sure. There was no struggle in my workout. There was no, oh, well, if I didn't feel like doing that today, I'll just do something else. Like, there was never, it was never putting myself in a position where I didn't want to do something. Now, every fucking day I go to the gym and I look – at that workout and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do this. So, and I make myself do it. And that's the therapy for me now versus 
the other, I think the other thing was just kind of like an ego thing. Like I think it was an ego thing before. Now it's more like a therapeutic thing for me, like making myself do something I don't want to do. So I would treat it as not pass fail. Right. Cause I think that's where people get caught up. You're right. It's yeah. did I pass fail? Oh, this is a terrible training session. No, it wasn't. You got to do it. What are you talking about? It's not a, pa- it's not pass fail. So you can get all the way uncomfortable. It might just only be 65 pounds today. You still are uncomfortable, but if you did 85 pounds, what's your tore your shoulder? And you mm-hmm. did, and you had two reps instead of the 12 that you're asking because your ego won't let you out of that because it's pass fail. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the standard wob. I don't care what the standard is. If you feel twinges, you probably should either alter the movement or alter your expectations. And that way, the goal of this is is to constantly seek out challenges and solutions to those problems for the remainder of your life. So when you're maximally strong, your mobility sucks. When you're maximally conditioned, your strength sucks. When you're great at barbell movements, your kettlebell game sucks. So you're constantly seeking out things that you're not good at, and it doesn't matter. It the That's where I think... For years and years and years, I got caught up in, I need to compare myself to everybody else that they're doing it. It doesn't matter. Once you realize it's just your personal journey that you're trying to get better at your own shit, that's when you get the most. That's when you get the most. That's when you hurt the least. And that's where you will dig really deep into certain things where before, if it's just because somebody else did it, what does it matter? But if you did it and you're trying to exceed your own expectation, I promise you, you're going to the dirt. I agree. I think people just need to seek discomfort. Yeah, I do. In my opinion. Like, because if you never seek out discomfort, then whenever that uncomfortable position shows itself, you don't know how to deal with it. That is why I tell people it is so necessary to be ready. Yeah. That that readiness piece that I tell the military, this is general population. So general population Mom, dad, uncle, sister, cousin, child, I don't care. If you're used to doing things that make you tired and sweaty, you're going to be a better person. You just are. You learn how to struggle through stuff that most people will not because if it's not spoon-fed to them and it doesn't feel good and it doesn't make our feelings nice, <laughs> then it, then we view that as a fail. And I just had to have this conversation with my son. Um, was it Monday? No, that was last night. It was Thursday of last week. He was wrestling with a kid, 11 years old, a little boy, six years old. And he's really good. He's I've been seeing some him. videos. He is really good. Yeah. And I like, you're supposed to say that about your kid. I don't know. I'm telling you. No, you're the type of person you're going to be, if he sucks, I'll, you say he sucks. I'd say it. Look, I'd be like, oh, it's not for him. Yeah. <laughs> Bless his heart. He yeah. tried. Yeah. But he's really good. And he was wrestling 11 year old kid, probably double his weight. And he was trying to take him down and couldn't. And like, I watched him. He just absolutely melted down. And I took him off the mat. And I was like, well, nope, absolutely not. And at first I had to catch myself because I got really pissed that he was that frustrated mm-hmm. that he could not get it together. And then you go, okay, he's six. And this is a really great time to teach a lesson. I said, buddy, you're not going to win everything. I love that you're in here struggling and you're doing everything that you can to, to win, but you're not going to win everything. And that's good. So when he beats you good next time, try this, 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 but if you are to the point to where you're, you've looked like you're about to, you're about to fight, 
you need to get off the mat because we're, this is practice. In a match, yeah, smash them yeah. all day. <laughs> but in practice, we're trying to solve that problem. So the problem is I can't score in the shot. Well, why? Let's break it down. Why? Instead of like getting crazy, which that was my personal fault when I was growing up as I was going to make it happen, whether or not I had to smash you to death or like I was going to outwork you, but I never really learned like how to get past the problem. I just thought, okay, if I outwork it, it'll go away. So I'm teaching him to be surgical and then apply that brute nastiness. Yeah. So it, the same thing applies to everybody, man. It's, you need to have that really bad struggle, but you need to be intentional about what you're trying to get out of it. So if you're just struggling to struggle, usually that's stress management. Yeah. So if you don't go into every practice that you have or every lifting that you have, trying to get some new skill out of it, you're just stress managing. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's what I was doing. I was just stress managing and now I'm actually trying to develop new skill sets. Yeah, dude. So look, you, if you know your lat mobility sucks and you're going, man, my snatch is terrible and it's way forward because I have terrible oh, upper body my mobility. My still is, bro. My still is. But you, you it's going to take a long time for me to break down those lats. And that in your warm-up, in your warm-up, what will happen is you'll say, okay, I really am terrible at this. Mm-hmm. Here's what am I going to do to fix this every freaking day until I get this right. Bro, my front squat is like an inch. Like, this is as far back as I can get my hands. Like, yeah. It just is what it is. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because years of just doing lat pulls and crazy lat, you know how it is. So, mm-hmm. and that, those things. I'm holding it all on my wrist pretty much. And it may be one of those things that you may need to get massage therapy and dry needling on your wrist. Yeah. And on your shoulders and on your elbows mm-hmm. and on your lats to free you up. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you can smash it in there anymore. Oh, I don't think I can. Like, I'm, 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 I'm look, I've been doing this now for a year and so a half. Yes. Yeah. I ain't got nothing. <laughs> you ain't getting no further back than that. Like, that's, that's, that's I used it. to be pretty mobile. That's it. Well, I'm, I never have been because, I. well, I mean, I guess in the fighting aspects of throwing punches and doing things, yeah. But, like, these movements that are awkward now because I've been doing all these other yeah. movements for so long – it's just, it, it binds you up. But what I've noticed in the type of working out and stuff that I'm doing and the condition and training I'm doing now, it's like, it's, uh, it's versatile. It's, uh, it's something that's, it can be applied to anything. And like, and I feel like if you can be the elite at everything that we're doing, then yeah. you could be elite at anything. Sure. You know, and because that- it's, it's, it involves every movement of the body and some people approach it like, like you, well, you know, cause you were a world record holder in, in pull-ups, weighted pull-ups, like, well, I'm doing kipping pull-ups now and, you know, trying to trying to get my muscle-ups now and doing, like, toes bar and stuff like that. Whereas someone who from the bodybuilding world or from just, like, the Olympic lifting world would look at that and be like, that's not a pull-up because it's, it's, it's not strict. Well, it still is because I'm using my entire body to create momentum to create reps. I'm not trying to compete against your strict pull-up with a kipping pull-up. I'm just using my body, my body momentum just like – how many times can you strict pull up yourself over a wall if you're running from something like bullets shooting at you or something? You know what I mean? Like you can't only do it so many times for your muscle fatigue, but if you can use your body, then you can create momentum to get over that wall. So I think that there is, there's value in everything. Mm-hmm. If you look at it as value and you don't try to fit it into the box that you want it to fit in. Cause I used to hate it on CrossFit real bad i did too i did too when i met my wife i was like i'm not doing that dumb shit i used to do it when it first came out yeah and now i'm like addicted to it because i've realized that i've opened my mind to 
how amazing it could be for the entire physical like structure. Yeah, man. So like, I, I don't even hate on anybody's approach. I don't care what you're doing yeah. in your, in your approach. It's, I just care that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So if kipping pull-ups are for you, great, man. It's just a different exercise. It's not a pull-up to me. It's a, it's a completely it's different exercise. Yeah. So why would I be mad at you for doing an exercise that works for you in the sport that you want to compete? But that's something we deal with, right? Yeah. Like it, it, we get, okay. So here's my question too. So I'm going to ask you a lot of questions <laughs> apparently right. today. All right. So when we get to a point to like, okay, we have these people who we know we're just trying to get them to, you know, X level. Um, but then you have the Y Z level and those people, is it ever to their detriment that they keep creating a bar that's too high to it to get to? Depends. And then, you, you know what I'm saying? And then at some point it's like, okay, that's too much. Depends. So when you're young. A little bit more. When, when you're young, you can get away with more. Right. So, um, well, and if your technique is correct, your strength level or excuse me, your ability or your potential to be what you could be is unlimited. If your technique is flawless and it is just automatic, the bar looks just like 500 pounds. The barbell, the technique on the barbell should look the exact same when it's 500 pounds. The kipping pull-up should look exactly the same because your mechanics are the same. Yeah. If they're not the same, then yeah, you can set the bar way too high because your technique, wherever your technique breaks down is where you, well, you're I, not awesome. I, I guess the focus of my question more is like, is it dangerous to someone when they've achieved that pinnacle level of fitness and then they continue to set the bar higher and higher? Maybe. So with smart programming, you're not going to get busted. Right. If your programming sucks, you're going to get busted. And it may take you seven years to get that that next level of working on the fundamentals of whatever you're doing. It may take you seven years of chipping, 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 and then you get there. But if you say, okay, I'm going to set the bar. Now I'm going to be a games athlete in three years, but not going to happen. And if it does, you're going to be there long promise. You can get there, but stay there. Let me see. Yeah. It usually, well, it's just like anything. Like, so if like, so what's your elite MMA UFC fighter, like a career, a, a, a really good career runs seven years. Mm-hmm. If you're a link games athlete, I would, I don't even know what those metrics are, but I would venture to say short. four or five years short. It, you know, if you're a elite NASCAR driver, they're still short, short, maybe 10 years. You're not putting your body through, but you are, you know, you, it's different, you know, so, like elite football player, what short. three to four years, maybe short. If you're a quarterback, maybe seven years. Like, so that's where you need to have, you need to have clear expectations of where you're trying to go and why. Well, and yeah, then you can prepare. We're all running this. <clears throat> we're all trying to run and win this race. And then when we finally get there, we can only stay there so long, no That's matter it. who you are. That's the cool part is when you get there, you should already have somewhere else you're trying to go. Right. But nobody does that. That's, just, the, yeah. that's the greatest. Yeah. It's because now you don't have the letdown. But when did you figure that out? When I hit the top and then was crying in the freaking parking lot of uh, the Las Vegas Convention Center. Oh, that's we talked about on the, yeah, mm-hmm. couple, yeah, like talking and about that, national championships mm-hmm. or world championships, excuse me. And then realizing that this body won't last forever. And that I don't have to be, I don't, I don't have to be the, the world, world caliber at anything 
but I want to strive for mastery at whatever I'm doing. So like right now my trial, I'm in week number or week 14, 13, 13 of a new program. Okay. And that I switched it because once again, I told you I'm full of shit. Well, you sent me your program. Ooh, that was rough. Yeah. You sent me that workout the other day. <laughs> and, um, that's another thing. Like I saw it. I was like, fuck yeah, that looks awesome. We're doing this right now, but I would like to implement that at some point. But another thing is people get, they think that this program worked for someone. So it's going to work for them. And that's no. not the case. A lot of times, because just because someone put a workout together does not mean it's going to be to your best advantage to use that workout. Because they don't know your goals and your abilities. Yeah. Because if your goal, if you're, let's say your wife's goal is to pull that 300. If she were to do those intervals on a regular basis, that 300 might not come. Yeah. Because it's going to take too much out of her max effort mm-hmm. that she won't be able to recover. Not at, I mean, if she, let's say she did that once a week. Yeah. I promise you that 300 ain't coming. Yeah. Just too much. It's too much tax. I'm not looking for max poundage, right? Because max poundage brings lots of pain for yep. me. So I go away from the pain. Now it's it's structuring it to where it's three days. I only live three days. Three days total body, and each one has its theme of okay. Monday was pull, Tuesday is push, but each one has legs and it has the antagonist and it has. And you has like rotation and all the other fun stuff that you can put in there as like pairings. And then Wednesday is always a yoga day. And then Thursday you is another. Yoga, man. I do it twice a week. That's what's up. I need to start doing it. Mobility is key, man. I told you when I said I was full of shit that I, I, there yeah. were some, some areas. <laughs> and I said, look. When did you start feeling it? Like, when did you start feeling that gap? Like here recently since the last time as we As soon talked? as I got off the podcast, I started okay. feeling the gap. Okay. Because I was in pain all the time. Mm-hmm. And that I wasn't doing the necessary stuff to be ready. It's just, you, I feel like it's a uphill battle that you're never going to win. You won't. But I agree. Like those are things that we know are an issue, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I really don't want to do that shit. And it's just like, really not like the regular individual who doesn't work out really doesn't want to work out. It's the same thing because you don't get the high. So you're right. We're, it's we're it's not fulfilling addicts. to me. Yeah. We're all drug addicts and you don't get that same rush. But I'll tell you this, I stretch um, a good, you know, typically five or six minutes, ten minutes maybe before every workout. But I'm not doing, I'm not devoting an X amount of time every week to stretching and doing things, which is something I'm missing out on. 45 minutes, Wednesday and Saturday. That is insane. 45 minutes. And it's excruciating workout, too, and people it's, don't realize. I'm not good at it, and it makes me it, I bet you burned so many damn man, calories. I'm shaking. Dude, that's how I am. Like, I'll do certain positions, and my whole body starts doing this. I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, definitely and, not mobile, mobile like I should and be. And so, it, to me, that's just another puzzle that I'm solving. Because mm-hmm. I know what I'm good at. Because, like, Monday, I did stuff that I was good at, and it felt awesome. Like I was crushing. Today, mm, well, have so you seen, good. Have you seen um, DDP, Diamond Dallas Pages? Yeah. Like, program. We might have talked about this before. I don't remember. But, like, where, where he's working with all these wrestlers who you have to think about the, the amount of fatigue and, you know, muscle, like injuries these guys are dealing with. And he's literally, like, he's prolonged his life by, you know, doing that. And he has this entire program that these people were latching onto and it's working for. So here's the deal is we always had the answers. We just didn't want them. We didn't want to listen. Right. It's, we've, already said, we've always had the answers. You need to be strong. You need to be fast. You need to be flexible. We just don't want to do it. Yeah. You need to go to sleep. You need to eat good things. No, I want pizza. I want to, <laughs> I want to stay up all night. 
I want to run a marathon the next morning, and then I, I want to do a CrossFit. I haven't had like I have very very few times where food's an issue. It used to be, but it's not now. But my wife fucks with me. She's like, "You have an eating disorder because you worry about it too much." I'm like, "But I." feel like I need to. And this is what works for me. And maybe you can consider it an eating disorder, but for me, it's not for me. It's more, I'm monitoring what's going into my body so that I know what's coming out of my body. You know, the coolest realization that I've had is I'm not in control of my wife's experience. Yeah. And she's not in control of mine. Right. And that it's the coolest and it's humbling because like you'll catch yourself getting mad at that person for doing something that you wouldn't do or you don't want them to do. And I went, whoa, time out. Her life experience is not dictated by me. Right. So like her fitness journey, her food stuff. If she's in a bad mood, ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> Once you realize ain't got nothing to do with you, yeah. man, it's smooth, smoother yeah. than it was. And that it took me, shit, I just realized that like last week. Because <laughs> that, that, I caught myself being mad about something that I didn't think that that she should say or do. Oh like, yeah. I was like, that ain't wait, me. Time out. Yeah. We, we're, we're, we, we've worked through all that at this point. She just gives me shit about it. I'm like, did I just have this? And she's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause I'm putting it in my fitness pal hey, over here. You know what? Because I have to man, because I have so much shit going. Like if I just had a regular, like mundane, like I say Monday, fuck that. If I just had a regular, like one position where I was only doing one thing and I had one program I was following and I wasn't pulled in 20 different directions, then I would probably be able to mentally keep up with what I'm putting in my body. But I have to write it, like put it into my app so I know, okay, my I have goals to hit every day. I need to hit 200 grams of protein and 100 grams of carbs if I'm working out. And then I'll do like 60 or 70 if I'm not. That seems low to a lot of people, but for me, it works. it's optimal. What's wrong with that? Some people need 150, 200 grams of carbs. What's wrong with I, that? You know, but for me, like if I'm not doing shit that day, 50 to 60 grams of carbs, I'm good. If I'm working out that day, a hundred, you know, and if I don't hit those marks and I'm not at peak performance and I know that, you know, so, and I've tried every fucking program out there, every fucking diet out there. I've tried all those things and this is what works best for me. That's what I would tell her is I'm trying to be as optimal as I can. Yeah. She knows. She just likes to give me shit. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) she may not have to, she don't have to, she don't give a fuck. She can eat whatever she wants and literally go, you know, beat my ass in every single activity we're doing. You know, there will come a time where there'll be something in her life that she's going to have to be yeah. really adamant about, and you're going to make fun of her. Yeah, I already it, do. It, there's there's other things I already make fun deficit, of. Yeah. I already you know do that. I, mean? I make fun it's about like finance and stuff. She's like down to the yeah. book, and I make fun like, of her about that check, shit. She's in the parking lot, thing. checkbook. Same thing, yep. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So thing. there's everybody has something that they're like, no, nah, this has a vice on me, and I need to keep track of it. That's fine. And it, it's... As long as it doesn't turn into like you will not do other things because you didn't write down something, oh, that's yeah. when it can be a problem. No, it's more like I know where this goes if I don't do this. Sure. And, but that's and it's not optimal. And it's responsible because, look, if it's something that you enjoy and it's just you're finding out new normals of what work for you, then you can set up a system to where you don't have to log it you just do it because you keep yourself honest yeah you know exactly what to eat because you know what a uh, a quarter cup is you know what four ounces is you know what a tablespoon is. like you got it it's just for you it's a mental it's a mental checklist of okay i did this today yeah so same thing as how you have the stupid watch you follow the the rings yeah i do that because some days believe it or not 
pull higher strains in other days, and it's all based on what my recovery was. Did I have a glass of tequila? Yep. Is that going to lower my recovery? Yeah, probably, yep. but I enjoy one every now and then. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, I'm willing to gamble. Like, well, I don't say gamble. I'm willing to deal with that, and I'm going to, you know, prioritize and, like, adjust accordingly. You know what yep. I mean? So you wouldn't try for your five by five crazy max after this. It wouldn't be no, but I am going to go teach a CrossFit class here in three, two and a half hours. Nice. <laughs> but this is it. This is the last class. Well, I mean, I would uh, equate that to about maybe four or five ounces today, and I'm, that's okay. But I'm not doing that if I'm not doing that if I'm pulling maxes now. No. And that way, like tomorrow is a yoga day. It's not impactful from anything in life for you. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, so you're chill. You're no, like, there's nothing. I'll you drink some water. Yeah, there's nothing is going to hurt your, me. What's so? Have you have you honed in your your diet? Like, because we've talked about this multiple times, but have you really like figured out what works for you? Like in a, in a, in a like say like macro standpoint. Yeah, and really the only thing I've tracked really really closely is how much protein that I get. Okay, and and so what's your? I have to get at least this. What's your bare minimum? That's like two ten. 210. And how much do you weigh? 210. Okay. So you're on a Schwarzenegger approach. You're like, okay, it's for every pound at one gram. It's just simple. I'm the same way. I'll, I, it's amazing if I can get 250. Sometimes it's hard. I, I can't eat it because then it excludes everything else. Yeah. Because there's too much chewing. And yeah. that protein powder is $80 a <laughs> joke. It's freaking dumb. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I do. I don't do a lot of synthetic protein. I'm doing um, like a pre-mixed 30 gram drink in the mornings, okay. and then I'm consuming a lot of meat. Like a fruit, lot, a fair lot life of ones. Uh, I know. I do the um, the muscle milk, the, okay. the non dairy muscle milk ones. I've been doing those for a while now. But I do those in the morning, and I I took it like a went back to like an intermittent fasting for a couple of weeks, and I felt bloated and didn't feel like I, I've done intermittent fasting in the past, and I felt great. Mm-hmm. But here recently, I didn't feel that great, and I was like kind of bloated. And I gained two or three pounds. I was like, what the fuck? It feels weird. But to my point, I also recently, we talked about the TRT thing. I'm now active on that. See? Before I was just taking Clomid, my levels were down. Everything's changed, you know. So, like, now I'm, you know, so my hormones are probably back where they need to be because I have to be on it now because I've kind of abused shit in the past. So, what I would caution you is go give blood. Yeah. Like yeah, kind of drain the system, free, kind of refuel. Yeah, yeah so I haven't done that this year yet. That's where it, you don't have to do every month or anything. I feel but, like once a year is good, you know, and I, I feel like I was on a track doing that, and I haven't done that I do it this every year. quarter. Well, that's that's what's up. I go every quarter. Do no you feel like what. do you? And do you feel like to you it just kind of like refuels the system, like your makes your body I have feel to produce? Awesome. Yeah, and they're supposed to not feel awesome. I feel great. I've never felt bad. Every every time someone says, "Oh man, I feel like shit and pass out or whatever," I feel, like feel woozy. I've never felt bad at all. Man, I feel great. And it's not going to hurt you none. So you just going to live share and just sitting down. And, I, yeah, that's exactly what yeah. I do. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I used to do. I used to go for the free uh, free blood test for fighting. <laughs> you know, for fighting and shit competition. You know what I'm saying? Yes, all those fighters out there know what I'm talking about too, to bro. They're like, yeah. hey, bro, go to live share. They'll test your blood for free. You don't have to yeah. pay for it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, man. <laughs> See, now, one thing I was going to ask you, because I've been, I've been wrestling with this, this, this concept for a minute. How do you make sure that you win, but your family doesn't lose? Oh, um, I involve them in everything. I involve them in everything. Professionally. Professionally. Okay. 
because I'm oh, you're sure talking about like I'm not putting too much time onto my profession and then it, and then it, excluding them. I'm sure there's there's times where you've been offered some wild stuff that yeah. you go, but they're going to lose, so I can't do it. I, I've well, I've come to grips with that. So I recently adopted the children, which I'm that super. Was, over, I, was this, take I haven't even announced this yet, so super over the moon Excellent. about that. Um, and so I don't know, man. I feel like for the longest time, I was so about me, mm-hmm. and I've took a selfless approach. And everything's changed in my life now to where I put them ahead of me. And my wife gives me shit because I say this, and like, but I really I feel that like I do so much shit, and it's used to be all for me. Like sure. it used to be all fulfilling for me. Like I did, I wanted to fight, do this fight thing, or I want to do this announced thing because it was fulfilling for me. Well, now I'm putting, this is like us having conversation is more like my therapy now, this and working out. So I like, I'm doing this for me. Yeah. But it's for my well being. I feel like, and people get something out of this because I get positive feedback by us having conversations. This might be for them later. Maybe so, and that's a great so, thing, right? So, like, maybe it, maybe some legacy shit. So that way they but, go back and hear how you were thinking when they were kids. Yeah, and then they go, "Oh, wait a minute!" And I understand why. Don't he you said wish that. we would have had our parents do that? What? Man, I we wish would I have so much insight and really oh, know yeah. what they feel like because if you you live that whole life and never really had that conversation, then they die, and then you never knew how they felt about things. This guy, same here, same See? here, same here. So you can't get it. But to answer your question, um. I'm I'm at the point now where I'm not putting myself in a position to where I'm excluding them. Um, there are some times where we have things where they have to go, like so the kids have to go here for the weekend so we can do this thing, and maybe that's excluding them, but that's life, right? But like, I don't feel like that I'm making decisions to where I'm putting them on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife is at the point now where we have multiple businesses, and she's involved in these multiple businesses, and. And she gets, I give her like a daily download of what's going on. So she doesn't ever feel left out, you know, and the kids know that we live a busy lifestyle. So they're like, we leave the house. They know we're working and we're home. They know we're not working. And we don't, even when we're home with the kids there, we don't work that much while they're awake. Makes sense. Now we may, after they go to sleep, we may work on some things or they're not there during the day. We'll work on some things. But I I mean, to answer your question, I just feel like I've got that. I got a decent balance. I think, I think I, there's so many people that put their career in front of their family and it really, really hurts them down, down the road. But I don't think we're doing that. I don't feel like we are. Yeah. I could be better in some, you know, areas, but I think that as a family, like we go to all go to the gym together. Mm-hmm. We all go out to eat once a week. We all sit down and watch a movie at least once a week together. We all go on like some type of outing once a week, you know, so I feel like we have enough time to where the gaps where we may not be available are filled with other things. That makes sense. And I only reason why I ask this is because I'm constantly presented with some there's some wild stuff. Yeah. And then you go, I don't I don't think I should take it because if I win they might lose. I agree. I've had those I've had multiple situations where like you could do this, this, and this. I'm like, well, how would that affect my family? Yep. Yep. I, I've been in those situations. And, and yes, five years ago, I'd have been like, fuck that. Hell yeah. I'm now, now I'm like, no, there's no way. I'm not doing I'm that. I'm thinking like their development, their comfort level, mm-hmm. their like how much am I out versus in. And I, I keep hearing people tell me, well, not all money is good money. Yeah. And that, so you, it's constantly weighing back and forth and back and forth. It's, it's hard. And 
maybe the ladies don't understand this. Maybe they do. But for a dude, that's your role is to make yeah, sure everybody. Yeah, we're wired that way, even though, like, there's, like, a uh, toxic masculinity and all this dumb shit. Like, we're wired that way, and we just are. Like, I feel like we are the hunter and the gatherer. We are the one who's supposed to provide, you mm-hmm. know, and that's how we were wired. That's how we were raised. So when we feel like that we miss an opportunity to do so, we may feel a little less than, and sometimes that would project that, you know, well, I, I, sometimes that would look like, well, you pass up an opportunity because you wanted to do this, but you could have done this because of that kind of mm-hmm. scenario, right? Yep. Yeah. So I was wondering because you got, you got a lot going on. Well, I should so <laughs> there's, there's, there's only, I always think there's, don't, there's only one of me. How do you keep from, how do you keep from getting to like, this is DJ's time? Well, I've optimized my time though, right? Like I'm like, I'm involved in multiple things, but I can do them all at once. If that Got makes it. sense. Like, okay. So like two or three hours a week, I dedicate to this. Okay. Okay. Six or eight hours a day. I dedicate to my main hustle. And then I have a, another business that is active on the weekends, at least 12 hours a week. I'm dedicated to that one hustle. And then I have another hustle that may sp- I spend 30 minutes a, a day on. Okay. And so like I can, I can, you know, make all that work and still have plenty of time to where I'm not, I'm not working 20 hours a day. You know what I'm saying? But some people don't put themselves in the scenario. They may have a day job and then try to do a side hustle and it leaves absolutely no time. Right. At home where mine, I'm only spending, I'm spending about 10 hours a day working. Got it. On my main hustle and my two side hustles, you know, and then this is, I would call this a hobby, you know, a productive hobby, you know? Um, so that's what my layout looks like. But if, if you're, if you're extending, extending yourself out to overextending yourself to where you're spending 15 hours a day, then yeah, I could see where it would bleed in, but I've just, I've done, I'm kind of like you were like, I'll, I'll like want to go on a tear and do this and try this yeah. and do that and see what opportunities. And I've kind of just figured out what my strengths are mm-hmm. and I play on those. Yeah. There's a bunch of times where I could have went off and take million dollar deals and I don't say that loosely, and but then I would literally sacrifice everything else, and it's just not worth it. That's where, like, I get, I'll get every now and then I'll get something that's just laid in front mm-hmm. of you. Go, mm-hmm. Like, wh- what do you do? Mm-hmm. And that it hurts my whole heart when I tell them, "Hey, man, thanks, but no thanks." Yep. Because I know it's not only is it not in a good location, it's not going to be great yeah. for for the fam. Yeah. So that's good. See, we're on the same page. Is your is your wife? Is she retired yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. What's she doing? So what's she gonna do? Man, she's just hanging is, out right now, enjoying that, it. Or that lady is the planner of all planners. <laughs> I can't keep track of nothing, but she keeps me. You don't need to. She she's keeps doing it. me where I hey, this is due this day. That we are that here, is, dude. That is like, my wife. I'm bro. leaving. My, they would yeah. get. We need to hang out. They get along well. Yeah, I'm leaving Friday from New Orleans. Yeah. I didn't even know I was leaving Friday. It's like, yeah, we're leaving Friday. Here's the hotel. We got this going What's on. What's in New Orleans, man? They got another gymnastics meet. Nice. And then we'll be in Knoxville two, three weeks after that. So I want to get my daughter. I think she's ready. Like we tried like year before last, and um, she wasn't quite ready as far as like doing her own thing. But now I feel like she's confident enough where she can do it. How old? She will. She's seven. Oh yeah, get her in there. She's good now. But like we tried it when she was like five. No, no, no. She might not have ready. been ready. But now she's ready. And her mom, yeah. like she, she can do it. Easily. Where she, she want to go? I don't know. Wherever we just need to do we it. Go I to need to get. We go to Bozier right now. They're okay. good. They're good people, man. And that for 
kids coming in for basic How stuff. How often are they doing stuff? Like once, oh, twice my, a week? No, my kids are in there f- four hours a day, three days a Wait, week. Wait, what? Yeah, four, four hours a day? Four out from 4.30 to 8.30. Holy my, my shit. Oldest, my, my youngest daughter is in there. Is that, is that like required or is that she, just? No, that's the travel, the travel age. Oh, tra- oh, so we're talking about travel stuff. Just like, basic what, stuff, a couple stuff. days a week. Okay, that's what I'm, that's the reason we're starting basic couple couple. That travel shit, bro. It's dangerous. I, I, it's we talked. I feel like we talked about all the baseball travel shit Dude, and all that. Dang, was, it, you can get sucked into the wormhole. You want one so, last little pull on this? Are you good? No, I'm good. All right, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna train bit, again. Get a little bit, yeah. Oh, are you? Yeah, I'm gonna train okay. again. Right, I trained this morning, but I'm gonna do some boxing today. Okay. okay. Like my son, like right now, my son and I have a daily requirement where he straight up stopped me and said, "I'm going to train." I said, what, "Why are you going out there and train?" He said, "I'm trying to be the greatest." <laughs> Straight six. up, straight up was like, no, I'm going to train. I said, why? Because I want to be the greatest. I said, that's what I'm talking about, buddy. What are you going to do? He's going to do some pull-ups. <laughs> yeah, he said, I'm going to do some pull-ups. I'm doing some box jumps. And then I'm going to run the stop sign. And then I'm going to come back. I'm going to do some push-ups. I said, good for you, buddy. I have noticed that rubbing off on the children. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll go outside to play some days, and they have their own weights. Well, they, well <laughs> so, like, we got her her own rogue bar, but it's a smaller, the like, five, it's a five-pound rogue bar, but you can put Olympic weights on it. Where'd you get that? Dude, we ordered it. It was, like, fucking 80 bucks. But, hey, it was worth it because All she'll right. get it out. They'll get it. That. Yeah, it's legit. It's, like, it's like this. That's cool. It's a little not, kid it's bar? like this long, but you put Olympic weights on it. That's nice. I think it weighs five pounds. That's cool. Um, and you load up fives on it, tens on it, and they'll get out there, and they'll do stuff, and I watch them, and I send the shit to, because, like, my lady's still fully employed in the police department, so oh, she's yeah. still working on the weekends most of the time, and I'll send her videos of this shit. And, like, they'll be out there doing deadlifts, and they'll do, bo- they'll do, they'll do um, like, balls. Like, they'll throw the, <laughs> the medicine ball yeah. in the air, and then they'll do, like, push-ups and sit-ups. I'm like, they have been watching us too damn long. <laughs> at I least they know it. what to do. Because at that age, I, my parents weren't doing that shit, so I didn't. Like, they were, I was like, at least we have some type of, you can look at them. Like, if they're doing that on their free time out there playing they'll get that drag that out in the yard and do yep. it on their free time so you're training the next wave of non-softies yeah so th- like circling all the way back to mm-hmm. the first thing of why are people not as tough parents parents they didn't make us do the things not us right they didn't make the kids do the things that were hard and they didn't have any they didn't they didn't do any of that hard labor so the kids didn't have anything to look at now there there are kids well, that see that and that that's normal. Well, to there's them. a whole generation and like our parents or us growing, even us growing up, because no one pushed me to do these no. things. I found these things later, but like it's cool to get fucked up and hang out. Yeah, it's cool to drink with your buddies and chase women. It's cool to you know be lackadaisical and poison your body. It's cool to eat you know eat like shit and hang out here and do this. It's cool to smoke weed or or do so many drugs that you get fucked up. Like I remember when like syrup like. And oh, like purple drink, lean and, and all like that. yeah, and then fucking like bars, Xanax bar. I remember when all that was cool. If you were doing that, you were cool in high school. And I'm like, we grew up in that time to where that's what was cool, drug culture. Yeah, and so and I and like getting fucked up at parties. And yeah, of course I did it. Of course I've been there and done that. And I enjoy the occasional thing, you know. But it's just funny how that works. Like that that grooms so many people to be soft and to to not be able to, to get in positions to where something's hard and, you know, face resistance. I think we're seeing the swing back of like now, cause we know different stuff. You're teaching your kids different stuff. Yeah. Now granted, you have to teach some things that I never, ever, ever thought that I would teach a kid. 
ever, like what? Like ever, what? ever. Like what? My daughter told me, and that, you know what I mean, no shade on anybody. This is, this is personal choices on everybody's end. But my daughter told me that a man could have a baby. And I, and, oh, yeah, and, yeah, I, and yeah. I said, no, baby, they can't. And that regardless of what side you stand on with that thing, yeah. and I, man, I love everybody. You do whatever is right. going to work for you. But I never, ever thought that, number one, I would have to tell somebody biologically what was possible and that you, you had to explain kind of what was what that was weird to me. And then I never thought that I would have to tell my kid, you know, if you ever see somebody with a gun, do this, this, this. I never, yeah. ever would have thought that if, um, you know, tell them to eat something that is green and alive, like that was foreign to them. Never, ever in my mind did those three things ever. And that never would I ever have to tell my son, like, well, if somebody's trying to fight me, do I fight him back? Are you out of your damn mind, sir? I said, look here, what do you do? Well, I tell a teacher first, teacher don't help you then you whip their ass. And then if the teacher gets mad at you, then I come and help you. Yeah. Like, well, it, that's my, my son just went through this last week and he got, he's, uh, my wife texted me and she said he got punched in the back and he's at the principal's office. And she said, laugh out loud. And look, anyone who thinks that we're not sympathetic or anything, it's not the case, but here's the thing. If someone hits you and you, here's always, here's the conversation. If someone hits you, and you hit them back. If someone's being aggressive to, towards you and rude to you, then you tell on them, and then you know they take. But if someone if someone puts their hands on you first, then you return that. That's that's how I believe. You know, if, you, if, if you're not if you're not for that, then okay, that's fine. That's your prerogative. But he's like, well, I didn't want to get in trouble. I'm like, with who? But weren't you in the principal's office anyways? <laughs> yeah, with who? Because I tell them you might you as well be there on the winning side. Yeah, I you tell know, them like, with who. You ain't gonna get in trouble with me. You're not gonna get in trouble with me because I'll come there and whoop some teachers' ass. If they got a problem if they're male, male teachers. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, but I'm joking. But like, no, I'm serious. Like, he's <laughs> like, no, nah, but, but I'm not joking. <laughs> no, my thing is though, it's like if you're gonna, it, I'm not going to. You need to stand up for yourself, no matter how that may be. Maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's verbally. You know, verbally. However, it, however it is, I'm trying to, to teach them that you need to stand up for yourself. You don't need to take no shit. But at the same time, you need to be respectful to everyone. And that's very hard, right? Because growing up for me, getting in fights was cool. I'd see my you know, dads, uncles, whatever growing up. Like, you know, you're the exact same position as I was. Same. So it's like, man. Because they're like, yeah. And it's, a bra- it's bragging rights. Just like hooking up with a chick or talking to a chick. That's bragging rights, right? So you're just like, yeah, man, blah, blah. This yeah. girl, you know, hung out, whatever. Or, yeah, man, I hit this dude the other night because he was talking shit. Like, now, to me, that's not cool anymore. Now, it's like, no, like if you, you put in a position to threaten someone, then you need to re- return that threat with, you know, force. Because you need to stand your ground, and I believe in that. But I also believe that there's a time and a place for that. Like, I'm not fighting nobody, nobody. unless you pay me. Dude, I'm but, telling you Or right if now, you threaten my family or my well-being, like my livelihood, yeah, like as far as then, then – but I'm not – if someone's like like ten years ago, somebody's like someone so so and so's talking shit. I'm Damn. there, bro. What's up? Let's throw down. Now so and so's talking shit, and 
I'm like, all right. You want to pay like, me oh, like man. 10 grand to fight? Okay, then we'll fight. You know what I mean? Like going. in a ring with with yeah. rules and regulations. That way like, no one dies. Yeah, he's like, oh, man, you being a little bitch. Yep, yep I am. Yep. I am. Uh, call it like hey, I see hey, it, bro. You know what? I'm a bitch. You're, you're right. Yeah. And that as long as they don't put hands but, on you, then you, words ain't going to hurt me. Right, exactly. And yeah, that, you can talk the, about shit you Telling want. the kid the same thing. If, if somebody were to hurt you or try to hurt you, you get away and you tell us. Right, teacher. I agree. And if said teacher doesn't help, you handle that so you are okay, and then I'll come and help you out. Yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll we'll handle that later. But like, if and and that's another thing, like the bullying thing. Like, if someone's bullying you, man, the only way to you, we all know this: the only way to stop a bully is a return fire. So that I never ever thought that I would have to give the bully talk ever, dude. Oh, you're having to give it? Oh man, I I talk about it all the time. I said, look here. Do you know the best way to have a bully leave you alone? Is number one, either you become friends with the bully and figure out, oh, look, anybody that's bullying you is not feeling good about what's going on in their life. And that, look, something bad at home is happening. And so don't, don't think that's a bad person. They just have a bad time. Yeah. And that if you can find a way to like deescalate or become their friend, they're not going to bother you. Or if they really have it out for you and they're trying to hurt you, try to avoid Tell the teacher, get away from them. And if you can't, if there's there's a fifty cent there's a fifty cent saying that <laughs> I don't want a problem, but if there is a problem, I say no problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you go away and they keep following, then you give them what they ask for and then you don't have any apologies about it. Yeah. That way, when I get to you, I said, Okay, was the teacher told? Yeah, they told us, but we didn't think anything. Did they do anything about it? Yeah, yeah, he smashed them down, and then, and hopefully he didn't kick him in the face or anything, but he smashed them down on the ground, did something crazy, and then said, like, okay, so, <laughs> I mean, are we good, or is the kid, is there a problem? And hopefully it's, okay, there was a, a teacher that was supposed to help, or a principal. There was a conflict resolution, and then there was a solution of pressure touch the kid. Yeah. And then we're about going back to school. Yeah. I think that that's the greatest. No, now, I mean it's it's great when it works like that, but a lot of times it doesn't. Right? I don't want my girls fighting. We, I, you I'll grew be up honest. in. Did you grow up in Michigan? Yeah. Like how close to Detroit? About forty-five minutes. All right. So, what was it like? Experience. I, I just thought about this, and I had to. I had to. I have to ask you. What was it like? Experience the rise of Eminem from in that subculture. It was weird, man. Because like, I, I Kid feel, Rock I, was the same. It's the same right. It's time. the same era. It's the same. But it two was com- weird. Two, two completely different extremes. But you were there for it. It was weird, like the whole eight mile thing. Because, like, granted, did I hang out in Detroit all the time? No. Right. I went down there to get some short some short sets from uh, oh Connor's at Connor Avenue. You get the hood rats short matching short sets. They had the shorts. <laughs> they had like the plaid shorts with the plaid button up and the visor for twenty bucks. Oh, you thought you was doing something? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like seeing that come up, it was cool to have somebody from where you're from be like really famous. That's, that was my question. Like like experiencing that firsthand because that was a. That was a shakeup in the industry. It was cool. Both, both, both extremes. And it was one cool. extreme to the other, like because you didn't see very many white rappers do anything cool. Like see that. Anyone I thought it was do awesome. Like I thought that that was great. And I mean, the dude was wild. He would say anything he wanted, and that nobody could check him because he was that dude. Yeah. So he's still that guy. Yeah. It, let somebody say something bad and watch how bad they get flamed for six minutes on a track. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real bad. It's real bad for anybody. Yeah. That's why everybody leaves him alone. Yeah. 
Network. Now, Kid Rock, that's a whole nother kind. That's a whole nother culture, man. That dude has a White House on his property. Yeah. He He lives in the White House. He has a golden shower in his house. Yeah, he's wild. (laughs) I heard about that dude. Now, I think it'd be cool to meet him. Yeah. I was never, I never went to no concerts or anything. But I think it'd be cool. Growing up, you didn't go to any concerts? I didn't. First concert I ever went to, I was 20. I was 20 years old. I don't think I, I seen T.I. I think, what? Yeah, I, I seen, it was a dub concert series. My cousin took me of all things. I came from college. I seen T.I., Young Jeezy, and Paul Wall. Paul Wall opened up for, oh, no, Ludacris opened up. I didn't even know it was Ludacris. It was some little dude with Afro running around. <laughs> and, then, and then Paul Wall came on. And then People's Jeezy. Champ. And then um, T.I. was like the featured one. Okay. It was cool. So it was a dub. What year was dub, this? 2001, no, 2005. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 2005, 2004, 2005. Okay. Before Luder was like, no, hold on, no, it wasn't. That had to have been like 2002 because that's before Luder came out with that with that album, with, with the big album with that the he two, had. With the Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, before yep. he had any of that. So that's yeah. the first time I ever and went to a concert. One. I was 20 years old. All right. We, yeah, we, I don't we think had no I, money. I didn't go. Yeah, we didn't either. I don't think. I think I went to a co- country concert when I was a, a wee wee young lad, and then I think ah. I, I think I might have went to one. Like, um, but yeah, I, I never. I remember seeing Kid Rock in like I was fourteen, and my uncle took me for my oh. birthday, and it was the craziest shit because there were strippers on each corner of the stage, <laughs> and like my uncle, we were cool, <laughs> and like uh, like I I what. Well, like he, I don't remember right. he 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 had like his girlfriend there. We had a good time. It was awesome, you know what I mean. But that was just something to experience. But like I don't think before then I'd ever been to a concert. But that's funny. Like, but I just I was thinking to myself Michigan, like Eminem. I don't know why that popped in my yeah, mind, but I just nobody. feel like that 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 that's that shook up the industry. Yeah, there was nobody really that was big from Detroit like that. That's what I'm saying. That's why I asked about him because he's the only like when I think Detroit. Yeah, I mean I don't honestly Kid Rock didn't come to my first Eminem did, mm-hmm. and um it just I and mean Bob Seger was pretty big. Yeah, but that was but that's before our time. That was that's before a, our time. Yeah, that's a different genre too. Yeah, so it didn't blow up like that. Mm-mm. So like you got athletes and that you got, you got a lot got of athletes. Eminem, yeah, a lot of athletes. You get Eminem, Kid Rock. um smaller ones like trick trick yeah like, you don't get a whole lot out of there but when eight mile came out like you would have thought that that was the anthem of, of forever <laughs> everybody was yelling everybody thought that they could freestyle they cannot <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it was like that was that was pretty cool to be able to say you know somebody was from there but yeah really michigan is it's just blue collar, really hard working. People. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I've heard. I've never been. I've heard that. I've heard it's. You know, it's like um, it was at one point. It was the mecca. Yeah. Of industry and manufacturing, and that's what I hear. You know, and then for the longest ever, time, it was almost a ghost town. If you ever come back, I didn't even recognize it last time I was home. I went home in um, July for two weeks. Never taken a two week trip ever because I've just worked my whole life. Went there for two weeks. I didn't even recognize Detroit when I seen it. It was so built up. I mean, nice, nice houses. Where some people take offense to it because they say it's gentrification. Gentrification, that's what I'm bring up, yeah. But you got to look at it. It brought so many jobs, so much industry, so much money to the area. Not saying that gentrification is right at all, but I think that it needs to be, that area needs to be back, brought back to what it was when the auto industry was, however they need to do it. Yeah. I don't care if Tesla needs to go there. It don't matter. Yeah, whatever. 
I mean, Tesla's. It's in Austin. To, they're here to stay. Yeah, they're, they're here to stay. Anywhere. No, they're not going anywhere. But I mean, as, a, as an American company, they're 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 staple now. At this mm-hmm. point, they're only going to grow. I guess in the south, it probably was weird to you guys to see this dude from Michigan like get crazy big. This dude from way up north. What is he talking about? <laughs> he just came out of nowhere. Like I remember hearing mixtapes of him from like. Well, I was a there. little behind the times, but I mean, I, I say that I was a little. It was ahead of my time. Um, but I just yeah, when that shit hit, it was it was insane. It was insane in our culture because it was like, and we could talk about this because you're in the middle. It's like there was black people loved it. White people loved it, Very you know, rare. like different, like it, all walks of life was like, hell yeah, this shit's like, everyone talked about it. Like, and way before eight mile, like just, yeah. just when the, the tracks were like when MTV, well, I remember whenever he shook up the MTV music awards with like the <laughs> real sh- slim shady. I don't even know if Josh yeah, remembers that, but like the, yeah. So like, yeah. like when that shit happened and like the, the, the bleach blonde hair and the white tee and like that, just, just. I mean, he just blew the culture out of water, man. It just shook up the game, and everyone. It, it I think it unified that rap culture. Like I really do. I think it's cool because beforehand, who you had, Mark Wahlberg, Snow. Yeah, you didn't have nobody. Like, you yeah, didn't have man, nobody. That was like Mark and Mark, but that was like still like a yeah, boy band, like, kind yeah, of, boy band thing. You didn't have no was, one that was like ripping fucking tracks and like literally threatening like people. Like I love like, it. I'm not fucking with this dude. And I love it that like the whole eight mile thing of when he like I used that a lot. I use that a lot. And I, Eminem, I appreciate you. If, if you ever listen to this, <laughs> I use this a lot because you can disarm people so easy mm-hmm. when you tell them all the bad stuff about you before they can say it. Oh, yeah, when he did that I with the LDA. Man, I do that all the time I, I, like, in a conversation if we're having a disagreement. say, so, yeah, I understand. I know that I'm this. Yeah, dude, I know I'm that still, I'm this. I I'm still standing here screaming, fuck the free world. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that way you, you put out all the flaws. They can't say anything. Yeah. Can't say anything, can't use it against you, and now it's just me and you just talking. Yeah. Yep, I know you hate me because this, 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 this. And that I think that if if you applied that to like business negotiation or marital dispute. Oh yeah, if you or, put it all out on the table ahead of time, it's I like do it look everywhere. I suck at this, 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 and this. Now let's talk about this. I do it every in every it's scenario. Very good. It's, so yeah. that you already can acknowledge what you're not good at and there's no pride. So look, I know I'm not good at this. I'm really great at this. That's why what, I approached you. For when this. did it? When did it? Um, like sink in for you to like let go of the ego thing? Because I I feel like I've completely let go of that shit. I don't give a fuck. COVID. Anymore. COVID made you let COVID, go of it. You have time to think. 